Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 172nd ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio. I'm one of your hosts. Did I mess that up? Yeah. In beautiful in be- Springfield, Missouri. Beautiful Springfield, Missouri. Thanks. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fe- fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing great, Cameron. Um, we are just in the thick of things in football season, NFL season. Oh, yeah. We have a fantasy football league for our Patreon subscribers. We are participating. Of course. And I'm I'm just feeling great because we've got one week left of the regular season. I'm sitting pretty. I'm locked in the playoffs. How about but, you, Producer Cameron? Oh, yeah. Oh, Producer yeah. Cameron's oh, yeah. locked in. We're playing each other this week. We don't even care. We're just, oh, yeah. <laughs> we're just buddies because it just That's, doesn't even matter because we're locked in. But That's fun. I wanted to ask you... Uh, how it feels because I think your team is probably better than mine, but you're kind of on the outside looking in. How are you feeling about that? Well, I don't think I'm technically on the outside looking in, but I have to win this week to make the playoffs. And my team has the second most points scored in the league this season. So, um, you know, fantasy football, notoriously purely skill game, uh, no, no luck, no luck involved, Mm -hmm. no randomness whatsoever. So, Obviously, if I don't make the playoffs, is because I don't deserve to. That was a very mature answer. <laughs> no, I'm playing uh, playing our Patreon supporter Parker this week, mm. and we have the same record. And it's like, basically, it's a playoff game. Whoever Matchup. wins is in the playoffs. Whoever doesn't is out. Matchup of a lifetime. Yeah. So it's been fun. Yeah. Obviously, good, good league. We enjoy fantasy football quite a bit. So more more leagues, the better usually. Um, Kyle, this week we're going to talk about, we're just going to touch on the fact that Missouri's playing in a bowl game, exciting stuff, uh, but we'll pre we'll do a proper preview of that next week. Um, we will, uh, talk about some recruiting news. We're going to talk about the basketball team, the last two games they've played some good things, some bad things. And then obviously there is a pretty big game this weekend. It's the border war. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's actually not called the border war anymore, but you can call we're going to call it that. But before we get into any of that, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Um, leave us a review on the podcast platform that you listen to us on. We appreciate all of that very much. And you can support the podcast directly by checking out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Missouri sports pod. There's different tiers that you can sign up for with different perks that you can get for helping us out. So check that out. And Kyle, Missouri is, has been selected to play Army in the Armed Forces Bowl. Yeah, this is kind of an interesting opponent. Um, I guess I didn't even think about, you know, some of the services as being a potential opponent. Like, um, But it's kind of a cool matchup. Have to prepare for the triple option. Uh, it'll be a unique challenge, I think, for Mizzou. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what the general reaction was to this to this selection, um, this bowl game, um, you know, I guess I just wasn't really expecting much just because we were a six win team and there were so many other SEC eligible teams. Yeah. So like nearly every SEC team, I do think Missouri was probably the 12th or 13th team picked in the, in the hierarchy of SEC teams, but that's okay. I'm, I'm legitimately, I'm just happy to see them play one more time and, and, uh, see some of the young guys maybe have a chance to get in there. Yeah. Um, kind of a big deal was made about Missouri not getting a SEC affiliated bowl game 
and of course the annoyance that this bowl game is going to be happening at the same at the same time as the bragging rights game against illinois that's a bummer yeah for sure and the fact that missouri finished higher in the sec east standings than florida and florida got a better bowl game is frustrating but i feel like south carolina got a shockingly good bowl like they were yeah significantly higher up the list than missouri uh florida makes sense though they are playing ucf mm-hmm. but yeah we get to play in texas i mean I, I, that's kind of what coach was they had to give like a little uh a reaction to it on like a live stream or whatever yeah. and spot like hosted by the bowl yes yeah. so like there weren't a, a whole lot of great things they could say but that was one thing that they that they did say and i think that's true mm-hmm. is playing a game in texas in the dallas area and there's obviously that's a great location for recruiting so yeah um if you want to do a little bit of scouting uh the army navy game is this saturday if you don't have anything else to watch i usually haven't watched that game but i might might check it out you might there's another game happening at the same time well, on Saturday. I might want to turn that game off. <laughs> well, we'll see. Yeah, I guess you have a point there. But at least going back and watching uh, some Army highlights might be helpful to anybody that wants to kind of figure out what's going on with the triple option before. I watched a little bit of the highlights. We'll get into this more next week, but it's kind of fun to watch. I, it's interesting, you know, with the, the ball fakes and, uh, and that kind of stuff. I think the option is uh, a fun offense. Um, but, yeah, we'll get into that next week um signing day right around the corner uh the early signing period for college football um missouri has a big weekend on their hands they've got a lot of recruits visiting um a lot of already committed recruits are going to be in town um, as well as some potential targets Uh, so it it could be it's really exciting because missouri already has the 10th ranked recruiting class as of this moment in the country number four in the sec and they're the uh 24 7 team composite correct okay that's amazing yeah top 10 yeah and they are positioning themselves to maybe add to that and have an even better class obviously other schools will add pieces um on signing day as well so but i mean if you're anywhere in that range this close to um signing day you're you're not going to drop you know 10 spots right so it's, it's pretty exciting. <clears throat> yeah, it's going to be a fun week just to kind of see who's on campus. I know a lot of, uh, like you said, current commits are visiting. I think I've heard anywhere, uh, potentially 20, 25 guys are going to be on campus this week uh, or this weekend. Uh, one of those guys, uh, Power Mizzou reported that uh, Demetrius Hunter is going to be on campus, and that is the offensive lineman from Oklahoma. He, he, well, he de- he's not from Oklahoma. He decommitted from Oklahoma. Um, he is a relative of Marcus Scott, who is a current Mizzou commit. So th- seem, things look pretty good with that commitment or with that recruitment. I think there's a pretty good chance that uh, Demetrius Hunter ends up at Mizzou, but we'll have to just keep an eye on that. Um, one thing I did want to mention, uh, Al Davis met with uh, Juco defensive tackle Jeffrey Mba, Mba yeah. today. Sure. He looks like a beast. Oh, yeah. Just looking like I had a picture of him. I mean, I don't know where Missouri stands in his recruitment, but he's he's got some pretty amazing options. But if Missouri was able to pull that off somehow, he would be an instant impact guy for sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of keep an eye on Twitter this weekend, see who tweets about being here. Um, there's going to be a lot of guys and Luther Burden himself, Luther Burden, be in town. the man himself, will be here. Uh, not here, but uh, he'll be on campus. Um, what was I going to say? 
some of the Juco guys and stuff probably won't factor into the rankings, but I don't know. Yeah, it, we'll it transfers. We'll, we'll, still, we'll still take them. Luther Burden, by the way, um, the some of the recruiting services have kind of updated their rankings, and in the uh, I think on Rivals, he's now the number three player in the country, and he's number three in the twenty four seven Sports Composite, um, number one wide receiver overall. Yeah, yeah. And Sam Horn got a pretty big bump as well. I think I saw he was up to 67th nationally on rivals. So uh, those guys are good. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else about this weekend? Uh, we, we don't have a lot of details yet, but that's going to all trickle in, in yeah. the, over the uh, like tomorrow and over the weekend. For so sure, it'll be fun to keep up with. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a really busy weekend, and so it'll be it'll be fun to keep an eye on Twitter and uh, just see all the all the fun details that come out. And then Wednesday is the day, right? Wednesday is National Signing Day, yep. So then we'll be recording on Thursday, be able to recap it all, yep. give you all the details. That'd be perfect. There's been some talk about um, moving the initial signing day back to maybe January. And obviously, the it used to be where there was only one signing day. It was at the beginning of February. Mm-hmm. And then they added this uh, December signing date, I don't know, maybe five years ago or something like that. But, you know the more the coaching carousel <clears throat> happens it just seems like it's coming at a weird time and of course the coaches are probably pre- pre- pressuring the commits to sign in the early signing period because almost everybody does right so <clears throat> it does seem like maybe january might be a little bit better time for the signing date just let everything settle let the coaches go where they're going to go because there's just a lot of unknowns right now so maybe split the difference and just have one day maybe that so seems reasonable to me yeah i don't know mid-december's it's an interesting time. Yeah. It's kind of nice if you don't have a coaching change. Um, exactly. If you can promote, you know, the stability of your program, right. then that helps out. But it's not always the greatest thing for the uh, for the student athletes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, some news, some football-related news. Um, we've got some more, like, uh, end-of-season teams that were announced. Um, Tyler Beatty and um, Harrison... Mevis were recognized on some All-American teams. Um, is it somebody else that I'm forgetting there? Maybe not. Um, oh, uh, Makai Wingo was named mm. uh, fre- the All-American freshman team. Was it All-American or SEC? I better I don't look know. it up. I'll find um, out. The Doak Walker Award was announced officially within the last hour or so, and Tyler Beatty was a finalist for that. He was one of the three finalists, and he did not win unfortunately uh the guy from michigan state whose name escapes me his name is walker yes won the walker Walker award so which was not a huge surprise uh just because he was on the best team his name's walker and his name is walker and he he cheated no he he very good running back great player he wasn't really involved in his team's passing game all that much i thought that might give tyler Beatty a leg up yeah as far as like complete player maybe most yardage in general i think tyler Beatty blew those guys away but when your team has double-digit wins and, uh, you know, we're competing for their conference, then that does factor in a little bit, unfortunately. Um, yeah, Wingo, uh, SEC, all-freshman team. You had a great season. Yeah. Um, uh, Caleb Evans announced he is uh, going pro. Not really a surprise mm-hmm. there. Not surprising whatsoever. Good luck to him in the draft process. He, I think he'll... Uh, yeah, I, th- I mean, I don't know that he met expectations maybe that we had coming in for the season but he was still he was still a good player um mizzou's secondary was at times definitely a, a strength mm-hmm. and I, th- I thought he I, I definitely think he's got a shot at being drafted yeah 
And then uh, I think that's all I got for football. So switching gears a little bit to basketball news, Mark Mitchell uh, will be deciding tomorrow where he is going to be attending college. Uh, the three finalists are Missouri, Duke, and UCLA. Um, there's been a lot of buzz about UCLA, although 24-7 Sports has crystal ball predictions to Duke still. Really? But those are kind of old um, predictions. I don't know if if those just need to be updated. but Seems like not Mizzou is going to be the choice. Yeah. Um, I mean, five-star player out of Kansas, like six, seven, super talented wing player who can do it all, like elite wingspan, elite athleticism, and very skilled player. So probably not coming to Missouri. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just glad that he uh, dropped Kansas from the list yeah, a while I back. Mean, yeah. It's kind of cool to be included, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, I don't know. You'd sure you'd like to land one of those guys every once in a while too, though. I mean, Aiden Shaw's a he's a good get, absolutely. But he's a better recruit than Missouri has been landing in the last few years. So yes. I'm I'm happy with Shaw. Yeah, could have a dynamic duo though. If Mark Mitchell exactly. Came. Mitchell, for sure, one hundred percent a one and done. I mean, he would have to have. I think, a, so. a, I think he'd have to have a disastrous freshman season to not be, and he could go to UCLA and Duke and be a role player and still get drafted. I mean, Duke might have four guys go in the NBA draft this coming season if they all declare. So pretty good programs there. Uh, Okay, fully switching gears into basketball. Let's talk Mizzou basketball. Uh, Last time we were in this room, we uh, checked the score of the Liberty game and were disappointed to see Missouri was losing that game, believe it or not. By a lot. Yeah, that game didn't go well. smacked. Um, they rebounded. They beat Eastern Illinois, one of the worst teams in all of Division One college basketball. Um, so they lost to Liberty, sixty-six to forty-five. Beat Eastern Illinois, seventy-two to forty-four. Kyle, did we learn anything in either one of these games? Did we learn anything? Yeah, anything new? Any revelations? No, I mean, no, not really. Um, Missouri can't shoot. They struggle to score unless you're a terrible, terrible team like Eastern Illinois. Maybe the only thing that you could possibly glean from these games is that, um, uh, well, Trayvon Brazil played against Eastern Illinois, Mm -hmm. and he looked like he's got potential, which we thought that was the case. And Anton Brookshire went from horrendous play to acceptable, maybe. Like, he looked more comfortable in the game against Eastern, Eastern Illinois. Made some shots. I think he. I don't even think he had scored a point, a single point, up until that game. Uh, but I think he had eight in that game. A couple of threes. Mm-hmm. Looked. He played a lot of minutes, yeah. and he was kind of running the point. And if Missouri is going to have even a remotely okay offense at any point this season, in my opinion, I think they have to have somebody that's playing point guard at a acceptable level because they're basically playing positionless basketball right now and nobody can shoot and you can't play positionless basketball if nobody can shoot yeah um i was gonna ask you well i i've kind of come to the conclusion that this mizzou basketball season might like ruin the concept of positionless basketball for me and i think part of it is just not having or the main part of it is just not having a reliable lead guard right. to make things happen on offense and distribute yeah it's and, uh it's more of an nba offense and nba players shoot really well and yeah. all five players on the court shoot and make a 
baskets. Yeah, and you have to guard to the three point three point line. With, right. Like nearly, <clears throat> nearly every NBA team, you have to guard everybody on the floor to yeah. the three point line. Yeah, I think that I would probably be more inclined to want a <clears throat> point guard driven offense. It's maybe a little more old school college, more more heavily used in college. I think that would. I would probably prefer to see something like that than what Missouri's currently running. I don't know what Missouri's currently running, honestly. It's a lot of standing around. They talked about pass it off to yeah. each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then even when they do generate open looks from three, they just don't have the shooters to knock them down. Right. Um, they talked about Amari Davis running point, and I guess he sort of was the one guard, you know, but it was kind of in name only. I mean, that's just not his. That's just not his strong suit, and you see that. Like, I don't know how many times we've seen a player get the receive an outlet pass on a defensive rebound and look to push the ball, and unless it's just kind of like a wide-open fast break, something goes wrong. Like, they either are hesitant to make the pass up the court, you know, like the secondary break, or they commit a turnover by forcing something. Just like none of the players have that pure lead guard instinct of when to push the ball and make that extra pass up the court to get something going. I mean, I don't know. I just imagine, I just think about guards that Missouri has had in the past, obviously like the best of the best being Phil Pressey. You know, his instincts of when to make the pass were stellar. Mm -hmm. And even a player like, like, even just last year having Drew Smith and um, Penson, either one of them could like make the correct read and know when to dribble the ball up themselves or pass it ahead for like a fast break opportunity. And it just seems like this year's group, we don't have a player that has that kind of instinct on when to push the ball or I don't know. It's just nobody seems capable of taking on that lead guard role. Mm -hmm. What do you think of Caleb Brown? Honestly, pretty small sample size. Yeah, he hasn't really provided much offensively, but he doesn't look as in over his head as I thought he might this season. Mm -hmm. I honestly didn't know if he would play any meaningful minutes whatsoever this entire season. I don't think that was the plan. Right, but when, yeah, nothing's working on offense. So he's not really an offensive threat, but like to score the basketball. But he seems like a guy that could initiate the offense yeah. and actually find guys for some open shots. That's kind of what I was thinking. So he looked comfortable facilitating a little yeah. bit, kind of moving the ball around, and maybe that's all they need is somebody to be able to do that. I don't. Nobody's gonna like play exceptional point guard play this right. year. That's just not happening. If that that personnel is not on the roster. But he did almost look a little more, more comfortable than Anton Brookshire, kind of running the point, just facilitating. Yeah. And I don't know if he's even like scored a point this year, but he, like you said, he looked more comfortable than I would have thought. We need somebody. This type of team needs a pure point guard that can drive and dish, yep. basically. Inside out. Yeah. Don't even need a scoring point guard necessarily. It'd be nice, obviously, but um, we basically have a team full of slashers yeah and nobody to no inside scoring threat either right except on putbacks basically yeah yeah i guess i shouldn't totally discount kobe brown he's he's been really really impressive like on the boards and yeah in putbacks but yeah i mean he's not like a post-up threat necessarily right um 
Yeah, a more of like a, he he's capable of scoring in the post out of like a two man game. You know, a little bit of pick and roll that sort of thing. Right. But he's not a guy that you necessarily want to feed in the post with like a post up right play. Yeah, it's it's very clear. I mean, the team is is bad because there's no identity. They don't do anything well in particular. They don't specialize in anything. They, I don't know, they don't have a leader. They don't shoot well. It's tough to watch. Um, against Liberty, Missouri shot 16% from three, three for 19, and 37% from two. One we of, knew that would be an ugly game, but good Lord. Yeah. Yeah, pretty horrendous. Yeah, Liberty, uh, one of the slower-paced teams in the country, um, not really known for their offense either, uh, but they actually knocked down some shots. They were 40% from three, and uh, that was more than enough to beat Missouri that night. Um, Missouri still turning the ball over too much, 19 turnovers against Liberty, which is a lot, and then uh, 14 turnovers against Eastern Illinois which is better but still not great when you when you factor in the caliber of opponent. They basically did whatever they wanted to do in the paint against uh, mm-hmm. Eastern Illinois, though. Uh, they shot 71% from two. Still didn't shoot well from three, did no, they? Two, I think for, two for 19. And Brookshire made both of them. Yeah. So nobody on the roster except for Anton Brookshire made a three-point shot. Yeah. That's good for 11%, <laughs> rounding up. <laughs> rounding up. Yeah. They dominated the boards, though, which that's what you have to do. I mean, this is honestly the Eastern Illinois game was the first time. I mean, the SMU game was just so weird. Like that wasn't even really a good game, but Missouri found a way to win. Yeah, I mean, they actually were making shots down the stretch. Yeah, that was like gave me false hope that maybe at least maybe they'll have some stretches where they can score. But that was the only time all season they've done that, like scored consistently for a certain amount of time yeah yeah they i mean the like the first 10 minutes were pretty awful and then from there on it was just like they hung right with smu and then just completely outplayed them in overtime basically yeah but uh the eastern illinois game they actually did what they were supposed to do i mean you're supposed to when you have a home game like this you're supposed to impose your will and just destroy a team blow them out and that's what missouri did um they were favored by 18 points they won by 20 something so I can't, and the offense looked okay, but again, couldn't shoot threes. Um, they got to the line, but they were just, Eastern Illinois just completely overmatched in this game. Yeah. So that's what is supposed to happen. Um, we talked about point guard play. Um, so things don't really get easier from here on out. They get harder, actually. Um, we play a team called Kansas. We play a team called the Kansas Jayhawks. We have to travel to Lawrence, Kansas to play them. And believe it or not, Kyle, they're having a pretty good year. They've got a squad that I think honestly will compete for a Final Four appearance this season. And they're catching Mizzou at home with a not a great squad. Um, <laughs> it's a nice way to put it. Yeah. I thought it would be kind of fun to really kind of take a deep dive into Kansas's starting five familiarize the listener with the team because normally i mean i don't care what anybody says back in the day kansas fans knew 
the Mizzou roster almost as well as Mizzou fans and vice versa. When you have a big rival like that, you're always keeping track of what they're doing. And when you share a border with them and you're competing for the same players some of the time, you're going to know the other team's roster pretty well. But that, but nobody's had any reason to keep up with Kansas's roster recently, except for some recruits that we might talk about. A couple of ironic cases. So, uh, but Kansas starting five, I would put up there with any in the country, as far as like five guys that are lights out. You want these guys on the floor. So I thought it'd be interesting to kind of take a look at them and uh, prepare the listener for um, the game a little bit, a little bit more in depth than we might typically. Um, Kansas as a team, number eight in the AP poll, number four in Kempom, third in offensive efficiency, 28th in defensive efficiency. Pretty solid. Their two lead guards are Remy Martin and Dewan Harris. Now, Remy Martin, uh, interestingly, he's been around college basketball for quite a while. This is his fifth season. Played four years at Arizona State. Um, was the Pac-12's leading scorer last year as a senior, and now he's using his COVID year to basically go after a Final Four with Kansas. And um, he's really good. He was in—he was the same graduating class from high school as Michael Porter Jr. Hmm. So he's been around for a while, and uh, in some kind of alternate universe where the NBA doesn't exist and college basketball is the peak uh, of basketball in the world then we would have had Michael Porter Jr. potentially for five years in a Missouri uniform. But obviously that doesn't exist. Enough time for two different back injuries. <laughs> I, I didn't say that. That was Kyle that said that. Um, I feel like I'm being a little pessimistic this episode. That's <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, so Remy Martin, really good lead guard, and he plays off the ball some, good shooter, uh, gets to the free throw line, just all around excellent college basketball guard and his backcourt mate Dewan Harris is probably familiar to Mizzou fans because he played for Rockbridge High School in Columbia Missouri won the state title um, in 2019 over um, Caleb Love and CBC that game was actually played here in Springfield I watched that game I was um, with you yeah that was a that was a fun game to watch yeah um Rockbridge was really good, and they had Isaiah Mosley and Jamonta Black, who are now in Springfield at Missouri State. Um, Harris originally committed to Missouri State. Then they kind of suggested, uh, Dana Ford and company here in Springfield suggested that maybe he take a prep year, and he was going to play at Sunrise Christian. That's at least the way it was spun at the time. I don't know that maybe looking back on it, seeing how things went, maybe that wasn't more the Harris camp deciding, yeah. Hey, maybe let's not rush into this Missouri state thing. Yeah. Let's take that our time to have been what happened because next thing you know, uh, Bill self says, you know what? Um, don't worry about it. Just come on over to Kansas. Come be my point guard. <laughs> and of course what you're not going to say no to that. So he stepped in and basically day one has been their starting point guard at, he was starting, games at point guard as a freshman last year and now he's a sophomore and he has a really good player next to him in martin to kind of learn from and martin can be more the scoring guard and harris is absolutely the um drive and kick facilitator um good defender and only a sophomore and he's just like you know one of these bill self recruits that 
isn't uh, highly touted coming out of high school, but then he Bill Self turns them into this all-conference player and potential NBA draft pick. I don't know that Harris is quite that type of player, but I mean, who knows? Good as college a, player. As a senior, I think he'll be talked about like as a all-Big 12 point guard. Uh, yeah, as much as I hate to say it, Bill Self has a reputation of doing things like that, and uh, Dewan Harris is not the only player <clears throat> on his current squad that that has happened with. Remy Martin played for Sierra Canyon High School, uh, and he had teammates uh, Marvin Bagley and Cody Riley. They played at the Tournament Champions here in Springfield, and uh, Marvin Bagley went to Duke, was a one-and-done. Cody Riley was in that whole fiasco with UCLA and one of the Ball brothers in China. The Angelo Ball. Got, like, arrested in China or something, but then he stuck it out, and I think he played on their... Was he, he was on their Final Four squad last, last year. year. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. It's always interesting to see where those Tournament of Champion guys end, mm-hmm. end up. Unfortunately, one of them's playing for Kansas. Um, then, so moving on from the guards, we got uh, there's two starting wings are Ochai Agbaji and Christian Brown. Again, familiar names to Mizzou fans. These two hurt. Really yeah. bad. <laughs> so um, Agbaji uh, from Kansas City, Missouri, did not receive a Mizzou scholarship offer out of high school. Um, had a really like under the radar recruitment. I think he, he just didn't really have very many Power Five offers. He was like the eleventh ranked player in the state of Missouri. Um, his graduating class and um, Bill Self again just kind of swooped in and said, "Come to Kansas." And they were actually going to redshirt him, um, but then he was playing so well in practice that they were like, we can't afford to not have this guy on the floor. And he is uh, having a terrific senior season this year. Honestly, one of the best players in all of college basketball. Um, He doesn't exactly translate to the NBA perfectly, so I think maybe his NBA draft stock isn't as high as potentially it should be because this year he is shooting... um, 46% 46% from three. <laughs> and so if you can do that, the NBA will definitely take a shot on you. I um, mean, he's 6'5", uh, playing a ton of minutes, a 138 offensive rating, which is just off the charts good. So he is a really good player from the state of Missouri. Didn't, yeah. Didn't get a Mizzou offer out of high school. Exactly. How does that make you feel? It, it doesn't make me feel very good, Cameron. Um, and it, if you could if you could tell, I was feeling this way. Um can you blame the staff though? I mean, he's like 350th in the country, three-star, number 11 player in the state. Yeah, I think you can okay. actually. I think you can blame the staff uh, because instead we end up with guys like Christian Guess and Axel Congo. I don't think that this staff at Missouri has any problem taking a shot on an under-the-radar player at all. No, that's not that that's not the again. issue. Yeah, um, I think they have a talent evaluation issue. And this one hurts so bad to see a guy from literally from Missouri go to Kansas and not only go to Kansas, but end up developing into one of the best players in college basketball just can't happen. Yeah. And it's not because Kansas came in early and set the precedent in his recruitment early. Laid the groundwork. Yeah. No, it's because Missouri didn't. And so they swooped in because nobody else was giving him attention. Right. Uh, he was asked um, in some in an interview uh, doing kind of like press for this uh, game this weekend, 
Uh, he said, this is according to uh, the Power Mizzou Twitter account. Uh, he said when he first moved to Kansas City, he was a Mizzou fan. The quote is, quote, I didn't know anything better. I sided with the Mizzou fans, unfortunately, at first. So he was a Mizzou fan, and then Mizzou didn't offer him. Kansas did. And now we're the bad guys. Yes, exactly. That's how that works. I mean, I wouldn't expect anything different. So he's really good. Um, he's going to be like a 1,500-point scorer in his career at Kansas. Um, he flirted with the NBA this past offseason, came back for his senior year, and he's taken advantage. I think he's averaging 22 points per game, shooting lights out. 46% from three. That's yeah. I don't know that and I've like, ever heard of anybody. Like 60 like 60%, 65% from two. So it's ridiculous. Doing it all. And not even like, he's not even using the most possessions on Kansas team. Like he's behind two of their big men as far as like possessions used. And they, they really do spread it out quite a bit. But he's definitely the go-to guy um, on offense. Uh, Christian Brown, brother of Parker Brown, former Missouri Tiger long family history of playing for Missouri, but unfortunately also a family history of playing for Kansas. Um, I've got a quote here. Let me see if I can find it. Um, Christian Brown um, on growing up, quote, it was a big Mizzou family. Me and my dad were always on the other side. I always tell people I was on the winning side and feels good to be a winner. Said he did not consider Mizzou out of high school. Um, talking about the rivalry, he said, it never really died to me, to be honest. I don't think the rivalry ever really went away. We just didn't play each other for a little bit. Um, so that's not as big of a miss, uh, miss, a recruiting miss for Missouri. It sounds like he kind of took the Kansas side of the inter-family rivalry just for the fun of it. I think Kansas recruited him a little harder. For sure. And uh, he kind of, I mean, at least he's saying now that he always kind of uh, of course, he's going to say that after the fact, yeah, too. But. but I could totally see, you know, in a, in a divided family of Mizzou fans and Kansas fans, you know, somebody's got to go with that and be the, the Kansas fan. You know, you just kind of have those friendly rivalries within your family. I can see all that. It's making not sense. friendly, dude. It's a war. <laughs> it's specifically not a war anymore. <laughs> it's specifically a showdown. <laughs> um... Then uh, rounding out the starting five is center David McCormick. And um, another guy that played in Springfield at the Tournament of Champions, um, he played for Oak Hill Academy back in the day. And he is just like a perfectly solid college center. And he just clogs the lane, finishes at the rim, blocks shots. He does have a tendency to get in foul trouble from time to time. But he himself gets to the line often. Pretty solid free throw shooter. Uh, he's 6'10", 250. This is his senior year, so he knows the college game. He knows what he's doing on offense. Um, he definitely gobbles up rebounds. He changes shots at the rim, and I don't think Missouri's going to have an answer for him. Um, we've just been kind of talking about the starting five, not really talking about how they match up with Mizzou. Um, but this... They match up well. Yeah, I mean, there's matchup problems all over the court, obviously, when just the teams are so mismatched in general, but um, I could see David McCormick. I could see Kansas just feeding him the ball inside and just letting him go to work. I mean, 
he doesn't I would say he doesn't quite I mean Kansas fans would would disagree with me but I don't think he's got the footwork and stuff that even like Jeremiah Tillman had I think Tillman from day one kind of had those up and under moves those um, pump fake moves in the post that just created wide open looks for himself McCormick has a little bit of that but he's also more of just like a brute strength mm-hmm. a little um, bigger than Tillman was I think yeah he can just move a guy off the block and like drop step dunk on him yeah. and uh, finish lobs and stuff like that so that's Kansas starting five one of the best in the country I think uh, interesting ties to the state of Missouri with uh, Harris and Agbaji and uh, even Christian Brown to some extent um, what what do you think, Kyle? What are you looking for in this matchup from Missouri? It's going to be far and away. It's going to be potentially the hardest playing environment any of these players will ever play in in their lives. Yeah, I mean, it really it, Kansas is really pumping this game up from a social media standpoint. I mean, they're they're doing interviews with Bill Self. They are doing all these like specials, you know, kind of going back to the last couple of times these teams played back in 2012. There are people camping out for this game. Kansas fans have been camping out since Tuesday for this game. They are taking this game seriously like Missouri is a top 10 team and it's going to be a huge, you know, clash of great teams. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to be brutal, I think, as far as an environment goes. Uh, Deshaun Gordon is the only player that's been in this environment before specifically. Yeah. I mean, the K-State Kansas rivalry is almost to that level. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, he's definitely been in the hostile environment. Uh, But man, I I mean, there's just not much Mizzou can do in this game. They're so outclassed as far as from a talent standpoint. Um, But don't you throw out the record? Don't you throw out the records in a rivalry game? Anything can happen? Sometimes that that can happen. Like in the bragging rights games with Illinois, that's happened you know where Missouri's not been good but they still compete I, that's possible I I don't think I see it in this game but especially being I, at Kansas I just think Missouri is not good enough to to make something like that happen um, I don't think they can shoot well enough to consistently make enough shots to stay in this game like you mentioned the mismatch with David McCormick I don't think they, anybody can match up with him consistently there are way too many ways that Kansas can exploit Missouri and unfortunately I think Bill Self is a really good coach and knows exactly what to do and he's probably been watching he's probably been studying Missouri all season long just looking for a way to exploit us even more than teams already have um I don't know I just don't I don't I don't have a great feeling about what we're going to witness on Saturday I think you know it's fun playing Kansas again I I'm ecstatic that we're that we're having this series with them again it's it's so fun to to bring something back that's so classic and a rival a rivalry as strong as this one um it's just some weird timing and it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to watch i think but hopefully you know i hope they continue this in the future you know i think it's what four games scheduled right now yeah i think so it would be great if they just did this every year yeah and just i mean run it back like repeat the same four game thing because they want to have games at the in kansas city at the t-mobile center totally fine like yeah i like the neutral site uh for the illinois game I, honestly, if uh, it was cool playing Illinois at home last year, even though there was no fans, but um, I wouldn't mind if the uh, Bragging Rights game had a neutral. home and away neutral rotation like that. Yeah. Um, but obviously, that's big for Saint, the city of St. Louis, so keeping it there is totally fine. Yeah. 
but uh yeah i think the the home and away neutral setup for the for the border showdown um allows it to have some of that old conference rivalry feel Mm -hmm. when you go to the home arenas yeah i think it is fun to go to the to the home arenas i think the crowds are better that way oh yeah on both sides yeah it's a shame like obviously we were supposed to play them in kansas city last year and that game got canceled and they didn't they didn't want to just move back the whole setup they just instead skipped to game two this year i don't understand Um, that yeah i don't know either they i mean the uh folks in kansas city are going to be wanting to they're going to want two games out of the series so they're going to play that eventually I don't remember what the how the schedule breakdown is after last year's game was canceled, but so this is the only time that Missouri will go to Allen Fieldhouse in this series, as it's currently constructed, I believe so. Well, at least we get our hopefully worst season out of the way uh, when we have to go there. Yeah, I mean it's hard. Uh, Missouri, the it's hard to win very there, best teams regardless. Missouri has ever had, uh, didn't really win at Allen Fieldhouse. So the funny thing about playing this game is that if a one in a million shot, if Missouri does not, maybe not one in a million, but you know, if somehow Missouri pulls off this upset, that would be the most hilarious thing ever to watch this this Kansas team lose to a you one know, of the worst, literally Missouri like teams a ever. like a sub two hundred yeah. Kim Palm Missouri team that yeah. has no business winning this game at all at home. Yeah, would be absolutely hysterical. Yeah, and and that I don't know. Maybe that means it'd be nice to play this this game in Missouri Arena because then it gives you at least a little bit of a chance. Yeah, but. I'd rather play at home when we have a better team. I think I would too. Um, I thought it'd be kind of fun to look back, just to remember back to that 2012 season. Um, obviously, everybody's talking about it this week, so we might as well uh, talk about it some. Um, Missouri wins the first matchup in Columbia, mm-hmm. and it takes a miraculous comeback. Everybody knows what Marcus Denman did, took the game into his hands, and just decided that they weren't going to lose and uh kansas was up double digits with like you know three minutes left in the game or something it was super late in the game mm-hmm. kansas like scores a basket and it's like oh geez they just like almost put the it was almost a dagger you know missouri almost can't come back and almost that. every game it probably would have been yeah it took something extremely out of the ordinary to happen yeah and I'll never forget watching that game in the basement of my then girlfriend's house, who's now my wife, at her parents' house. We're watching it on their projector screen. And there was like two that we had a little bit of a party and there was like two Kansas fans there. And they were smiling pretty big with like three minutes left. And most of the people, everyone else there was Mizzou fans or at least rooting for Mizzou. And uh, they were feeling pretty good during the closing minutes of that game. And then Marcus Denman did what he did, and they were just silent. Speechless. Yeah, the two Kansas fans in the room. Basically, you just didn't know they were there when uh, Denman finished the comeback and Missouri pulled out the win. Um, Something that doesn't get talked about very much at the very end of that game is the fact that Kansas had a shot to win it at the buzzer and um it's it's actually incredible how similar the two games were that season because kansas had a shot at the buzzer but just kind of botched it and it was not a good look and it was never going in and then a little while later in um 
Lawrence, Kansas. They're playing the rematch. And Marcus Denman actually had a shot at the buzzer. He was just he made l- it. He made the shot after the buzzer went off. Yep. That would have won the game. Yeah. He just released a little bit too late. Yeah. And so that's interesting. But in, same thing that happened in that game. Missouri has a, a like a sixteen point lead or nineteen point lead or something like that. Might in, have even been more than that. In the second half. I knew it was like almost twenty it was ridiculous. points. Ridiculous. Yeah. And then uh, Kansas storms back. Yeah, it's like the wrong team won both games, basically. Yeah, exactly. Team that played better for like eighty percent of the game lost both of them. Yeah. And of course that uh regulation period, the second half ended with Thomas Robinson fouling Phil Pressey. Yeah. And they didn't call it though. Also blocking his shot. Do you think we'll time. see? Uh, I think we'll see some terrible calls, or will this is just well the intensity? The intensity is going to be crazy at yeah. the beginning of this game on Saturday, like insane. And then I'm sure Kansas will pull away pretty quickly, and the crowd will just kind of be coasting. Yeah. But I mean, the first couple of minutes of this game, I mean, I know I hate Kansas. I don't want to like give them respect for their you know what what their program is and everything. But I, as a neutral observer it would be yeah pretty fun yeah i mean anybody who likes college basketball is going to be tuning into this game you got to appreciate it at least a little bit like how loud it's going to be in there yeah at least for the first couple minutes something that has been talked about this week uh, when the memories are coming back was the fact that college game day was on campus Mm -hmm. the basketball version of it for the the game in columbia and there was like thousands of fans there for that when that that's like a you know 10 a.m tv show and the kansas game wasn't till like 8 p.m or something so they were there all day basically um yeah i think the kansas fans are going to go crazy every time kansas makes a basket for the first five minutes of the game and then depending on how many they make and how poorly uh, missouri's offense plays then they might settle down a little bit but i think they're going to be they're going to be pretty jazzed for most of this matchup Hopefully they kind of, this might need to serve as kind of like a wake-up call for Mizzou fans that like, this game's going to be played in Columbia very soon, and this, you're going to have to live Gotta up show to out. this atmosphere, and if yeah. if you don't do it all season long, that's fine as long as you show up for this game. I made the mistake of uh, interacting with a Kansas-related tweet earlier this week, and I think I just quote tweeted a video that they made like about the rivalry and stuff so this whole week i my timeline has been flooded with kansas content it's terrible i'm about to just delete missouri sports podcast twitter it, i might delete it just so the, i don't have twitter to see. algorithm has flooded you with kansas. basically i mean i'm i'm seeing everything like kansas barstool like even like volleyball content like everything just by interacting with one kansas related tweet you have to hit the three dots and say <laughs> just, not yeah, interested seriously. in this content i need to start doing that just block everything yeah. but uh um there, there was a video that Kansas put out. It was actually pretty well done. It was just kind of talking about the, the border war from, from 10 years ago or so. And Bill Self was interviewed, and he was talking about it. And uh, there was um, a clip of right when they, when Kansas kind of wins the game in Lawrence, and he's got this little grin on his face. And I just, oh, it kind of made me, it, like, all the feelings, like, came back of, like, Visceral hate. reaction, yeah. Just like, oh, I hate that guy so much. That's, but... If you want to look on the bright side, there's that visual of him calling timeout by his like up by his forehead yeah. in at the game in Columbia. Yep. That's legendary. Like, yep. um, Denman makes the shot to take the lead, and Bill Self's like, "I'll take a timeout, please. We're gonna lose." <laughs>
Yep. It's uh it's a special game that we've waited for for a long time. It's just just gonna be a little bit weird, I think, for maybe a year or two, hopefully. Yeah, it would have been nice to kick this thing off last year, but oh yep. well. Yep. So um we don't really think Missouri has much of a shot. Um it seems kinda silly to do any kind of official prediction. Unfortunately, I gotta predict Missouri's gonna lose this game. I would love to see Missouri's defense actually, you know, show up and show that it's not only bad teams that they can shut down. And um, if they can get Kansas's offense into a few scoring droughts, then that'll give me some hope moving forward that they can, um, you know, limit some of the little bit worse offenses in SEC play and stuff like that. But Kansas number three team in offensive efficiency. So even if you hold them to, you know, a few scoring droughts, they're going to find their way to score points. Yeah, and uh, if Missouri can shoot significantly better than they normally do, then maybe they'll make it a game. Yeah. Um, Boogie Coleman didn't play in the Eastern Illinois game due to an unspecified uh, team policy issue. Yeah. Um, But they said it wasn't disciplinary either, so I don't know if his play just wasn't meeting standards. I don't know. It doesn't really make any sense at all that you would be – not playing due to team policy but it's not disciplinary yeah i don't know how that makes sense but uh so i think we're expecting him to be back for the kansas game but i guess we don't really know guess we'll find out yeah um try to enjoy it i guess yeah the rivalry is back folks just having somebody to hate and being able to watch it enjoy the nostalgia that will probably uh come over you when they show uh, border war games of years past mm-hmm. but other than that it might be a long day yeah might want to check on the army navy score <laughs> do some opponent scouting over there yeah maybe we'll get some good football recruiting news or something that'll that'll brighten your weekend a little bit yeah that's very possible at least we'll have some nice visitors in town yeah um is that it for this week i think that's it all right well, uh, special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Lee, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Lewis Hernandez, and Tim Keens. Thank you very much, gentlemen. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and we're on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. Thank you very much, gentlemen. You can find our T-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week.